the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Fellow Ridiculous Historians, this is part two of our two-part series with our new colleagues and friends of the show, the host of Ridiculous Crime. We're very excited. Uh, we wanted to give you a quick disclaimer, though. Uh, if you yeah, heard part this one. This is a two-part disclaimer, right? Yeah. This is part two of our two-part disclaimer. That's true. Um, the same goes for the first one. I don't think much is different here, but we just thought we'd as a courtesy remind you that there are a couple of little techie glitches that we ran into, but uh, Super Producer Max mainly smoothed everything out. You probably won't even notice. We're probably overthinking it, but here we are. Disclaimer, part two. Yes. Listen at your own peril. Actually, it'll be more like your own elate, elatedness, because it's a great yes. episode. Yeah, we, can't, we cannot wait to uh, ruin uh, several several notable Hollywood celebrities for you, but we get into some really interesting history here as well, and I think it's a great taste of what uh, what our friends over at Ridiculous Crime are doing. I mean, I don't know about ruin when it comes to Diamond Dave, my friend. Oh, that's true. No, there's a redemption arc here. Yeah. If anything, that guy is even more holy in my eyes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, welcome to the show, folks. Uh, we can't wait for you to hear. Us get converted uh, to the to the church of Mr. David Lee Roth, courtesy of Elizabeth Dutton. And and Noel, you uh you in, in this one you introduced me to uh a hilarious side of John Wayne that I wasn't aware of. Uh, most people won't say Ben Bolin, that guy's the biggest John Wayne fan, but uh also I think we had some good voices in this one. I hope so. John, the John Wayne voice isn't the easiest one to place. I do have to say, though, uh, a little peek behind my personal curtain. I have a very small bust of John Wayne on one of my turntable speakers. <laughs> it was given to me by a friend years ago. It's like one of those weird thrift store finds. Uh, and part of his hat is chipped off, but he's just too cool to take down. Uh, just like these podcast episodes were too good not to put out because of a silly old recording glitch. So here you go. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio.
Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. That's the one and only Mr. Max Williams. That's the one and only Mr. Dave Kustan. Super producers both. Uh, We are not going to explain why that's the case just yet, because we already did that bit in part one of Weirdest Celebrity Bust. Uh, They call me Ben Noel. We are doing it, man. We did an intentional Mm two-parter. Yeah, the second time this season, whatever that means. I said that last time. I don't know what it means still, but sticking to it. So first things first, folks, please check out part one of this two-part series. It is worth your time, especially, I would say, The End, which is not brought to you by uh, Noel or uh, yours truly. It is instead a series of fantastic points made by our guest, Today, the creators of Ridiculous Crime, Elizabeth Dutton and Zarin Burnett. Thanks for coming back to the show. You know, after part one, Max and Noel and I were like, are they going to, are they going to come back? Oh, we're here. They came back. Yeah, they're there's here. no holding us back. Hey, fellas. <laughs> we missed you. Oh, <laughs> missed you too. You're not going to get rid of me. It's I'm just going to keep hovering in your studio. It's been mere moments. Yeah. You can I'm actually in your closet right now. Oh, Wait a nice. minute. How you yeah, had you fit in there? It's so full of stuff. <laughs> By the way, do your laundry. <laughs> much appreciated. So, yes, thank you so much for coming back uh, in closets, in, uh, in studios, on the show today. We were excited. We previously, uh, we previously explored the time, uh, the life and times, I should say, of uh, known drug smuggler Richard Nixon. Uh, we have also looked at this strange story of the early celebrity scandal of Roscoe Arbuckle, a.k.a. Fatty Arbuckle. And today we're returning to a a broader theme, but we're going for something completely different. Now, Elizabeth, I am, I I don't know about you, Noel, but I don't know where this, this tale will take us. I'm flying kind of blind. Elizabeth, you found you a weird... You and me both, buddy. I have no <laughs> None of us. Did. We're all flying blind. Okay, so Elizabeth, you're going to improvise a, a weird celebrity bust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am. Oh, She's yes, busting the celebrity right this second. <laughs> yeah. We'll have updates. Just Live. one second. <laughs> uh, or we can use that telegraph noise from mm-hmm. last episode. Uh, so Elizabeth, where are we going today? We're going to 1993, my friend. And that's the year, the place, Washington Square Park in New York City. Now, I'll stop and explain that on Ridiculous Crime, uh, we, and I say we, but it's more me, (laughs) but we like to do these imagination experiments. And when telling our, our tales, we like to root each other and the listener in a time and place, and we sort of make them picture where we are. Uh, And we both do that. Mm -hmm. I tend to put Zarin and producer Dave into my situations. And that's what I'm going to do today. So it's 1993 and we're all hanging out in Washington Square Park in New York. So Zarin's sitting over on a bench, just feeding pigeons. That's right. What's up, y'all? Talking to himself. I don't even know why they can't even look. (laughs) Ben, you know, you're pushing your ice cream cart. Ice cream. No one's really, you know, you're doing your best. We got, uh, we got a rutabaga, beet flavor. Can I be frolicking in a fountain? You, yes. How did you know? 
You're in the fountain, you're frolicking, yeah. and people are tr- avoiding eye contact. That's you, fine. dolphin boy, care for some potato-flavored ice cream? <laughs> Max, Dave, playing chess over the table. Nobody will let me go into a fountain. Right, know. and Zaren's just muttering to himself. So <laughs> there you are. And then this gentleman comes, comes strolling through the park, and he talks to another fella. And they kind of hush, hush, whisper, hand off. There's a handoff between them. And then the cops descend. Ah, the now, that first gentleman strolling along is none other than Mr. David Lee Roth. At this point, formerly of the band Van Halen. <laughs> oh, a little point. So I just Halen. need to explain this to you. The, it, the only research I did on this story was putting on the Eat em and Smile record <laughs> and standing on the corner outside my house and doing high kicks and like, Shaolin moves in a pair of spandex pants. Just channeling Dave. But I have it all. Now I have all the knowledge on it. The story's not coming through you. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just channeling. So will you be singing this story? Maybe a little bit. Right. Maybe a little bit. So Mr. David Lee Roth, he's in the park. He goes up to a guy. He buys a $10 bag of weed. $10. That's it. I believe that's what the kids call a dime bag. A dime bag. Exactly. So he had 10 on it. He goes through, <laughs> buys a bag of weed. And um, the cops show up, they arrest him, they arrest the, uh, the dealer. And when, this was part of a sweep, and it was a sweep that was called Operation Doubleheader. <laughs> Operation <Sorry>. Doubleheader. <laughs> Why? Just sounds dirty. I don't know. I decided not to go I with Operation know. Jump. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> might as well. Well, hello, Panama is like, right. Yeah. <laughs> so Operation Doubleheader, the day that they arrest Mr. David Lee Ross, they pinched 38 people that day. Wow. Operation running with the devil. Yeah. 20 wow. of them were drug dealers. One of those dealers had been arrested a hundred times that year. A <laughs> hundred times? Mm-hmm. So who's good or bad at their job here? The cops or him? They sound like they're both like, <laughs> <laughs> like we keep arresting him. Achievers. He keeps getting arrested. Well, I mean, they just need think of each all the other. Dime bags now it's a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Maybe there's, Still you know, the there's. Work. <laughs> like a, there's a symbiotic relationship. I like to picture a weird uh, romantic situation, you know? It could be. Could oh, be. oh, yeah. It's a persistent meet cute. They're just like, one day we're going to work this out. <laughs> In a love-hate relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, uh, now, we talked about we talked about weed with Louis Armstrong. Oh, and yeah. Blowing known, Gage, smoking known, reefer. Known drug mule Richard Nixon. Yeah, of course. Zarin, you love stories about drugs. I love talking about drugs. Love it. Every morning I wake up and I hope there's one in the news. All I do is talk about drugs. What's your favorite celebrity drug bust story? Oh, I can't even limit it to my favorite. I mean, like you can just start naming up people like, oh, Willie Nelson. But I, I think actually my favorite is the Sierra Blanca Border Patrol stop. It was normal. It used to be known as the checkpoint of the stars because mm-hmm. they had these. It's over by the it's West Texas, out by El Paso, and they have this spot where tour buses always get popped with drugs. And Willie Nelson got caught with pounds of weed. Snoop Dogg got popped there. Fiona Apple got popped there. Nelly got caught there. Now they got this new sheriff who has a sign over his door. His name is Sheriff Arvin West, and the sign over his door says "Boss Hog." Now, if you can believe it, this dude, Boss Hog, is going the other way. He's decided, you know what? I'm not going to waste the taxpayer's money on busting celebrities. And I quote, (laughs) I don't have a problem whatsoever going out there and arresting them. I just have a problem making my local taxpayers foot the bill for America's problem. I'm not going to do the federal government's job. So open seasoned uh, tour buses. You guys can roll through Texas again. But see, they're moving 
weight and quality, quantity and quality. Yeah, that's bugs. true. Yeah, poundage. David Lee Roth is neither. <laughs> is he just neither like quantity nor quality? Okay, okay. Just so I understand, I'm sure we'll get to this. What 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 side of the transaction is he on? Is he like ah oh, getting fired from my dream band? Is got well, me out here. Point, at this point in 1993, David Lee Roth is no longer the front man of Van Halen. I think we're in the Van Hagar years at this point. Mm. Okay. So, and pre-Gary Sharon. Oh, wow. I forgot. Yeah. With Sammy about Hagar. I think everybody else did too. <laughs> <laughs> so we have, we have David Lee Roth. Now he had that, as I, the aforementioned Eat Him and Smile record. He'd mm-hmm. gone solo. He wrote an autobiography. This is, this guy's done pretty much everything. He's traveled well, all over the world. Yours is 93. This is 93. So, okay, this 19. is pre-Sopranos because he played himself in an episode of Sopranos. Exactly. Oh, yeah, he did. Oh, good mm-hmm. one. At the he card made the game. comment about how he could write off condoms as like a tax write-off. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the guy, I mean, just providing more backstory about Mr. David Lee Roth, he was so notorious for his groupie activities that there, he had a, a rewards program for his roadies who could go out and fetch gals from the audience. And Did then, he have like a ticket punch for those? Yeah, they were each given five passes. And I suppose the pass was marked with, you know, their initials. Oh. And the lucky woman, mm-hmm. he would note whose roadies' initials were on there and give them $100. Nice. Oh. He turned all his roadies feet. into pimps. That's Correct. wild. Great. Yeah. Okay. And then there's all, there are also stories wow. that when Van Halen was on the road in the early 80s that they had a doctor who was constantly prescribing antibiotics because they, <laughs> mm. the STDs were rampant on those. <laughs> so there's a lot of action. Antibiotics in my vitamins? Well, David Lee Roth is this absolute showman and he's super sexual, but not, I don't think in like a menacing way. No, I don't know. There's a, there's a very kind of strange... I don't know. I don't know. He seems like, I just imagine, obviously, I'm not, I've never imagined this before, but I would imagine if somebody was to get busy with David Lee Roth, he would be sitting there on like, you know, the tour bus couch waiting for them to come to him, you know, like here, lie upon my David Lee Rothness, but he would not be pressing himself on them. <laughs> no, in a yeah. he, he's not like uh, thirsty necessarily. It's a troubadour no. vibe, right? <laughs> yeah, like totally. a deep bard, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So, we have Mr. David Lee Roth, and I keep calling him Mr. David Lee Roth because Zarin invented a game <laughs> called Mr. David Lee Roth. And this is true. We, we, we've decided that David Lee Roth is a good benchmark for a rock showman. Oh. In terms of a lead singer, he's really got it all. He's like, what, almost a four and a half octave range. Mm-hmm. Good range. And in, like I said, an incredible showman on stage. Unbelievable. Super high kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this. Great lyricist, great presentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would actually give him that too. And so we have him as the as our benchmark. Yeah, he's the Mendoza line for rock stars. <laughs> and then you name other frontmen, and you decide: Are they in the top five above Mr. David Lee Roth, or are they below? Yeah, Mr. where do they where do they rate on the David Lee Roth line? Where does so, Gary Sharon fall into that spectrum? Gary Sharon, oof, he's he's far below the line. Like he ranks now. I mean. And not, nothing against him and, and Nuno, the Nunes. <laughs> who's another one? Give me another one, boys. Oh, gosh. Let's see. How about uh, Freddie Mercury? I'd now say Freddie he's above. Mercury. I'd say I would he's put above. him at maybe one notch above. Oh, yeah. I'd say definitely above. Yeah, I think above. we could all agree he's above David Lee Yeah. So we'll say yeah. above and below. Mm-hmm. So say we all. 
<laughs> Super As Dave, do you have one for me? Uh, Joe Cocker. Oh my God, with the tough Joe ones. Cocker. He's a different I kind of say... front man, right? Like he's not really theatrical, but he's got gravitas. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to put him below Diamond Dave. <gasps> I think so too. I'm so sorry. He's just he's in a different class, really. Yeah. Now, like, uh, yeah, he's like Janis Joplin. He's just on a different, Janice whole different above. stage. Janis oh, okay, is above, but I mean, but uh, I would agree with him. Well. <laughs> <laughs> well, how many of them were well? Well, I think David Lee Roth made it work for himself, you know? Like I think he had a He system. really has. Mm-hmm. He really has. Mm-hmm. So we got we got Diamond Dave living this wild life and there he is in the park putting $10 down on what he himself re- later refers to as um Jamaican bunk reefer. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've bought some of that from that same guy. That same dude. Wait, bunk doesn't that does that mean it was like fake <laughs> or just not very good? You I think it was it was low quality. It's yeah. like ditch ditch wheat, dirt yeah. wheat. Yeah. yeah, exactly. A lot of seeds and stems. It's like <clears throat> swag. First of all, like, mm-hmm. I, not, not to derail the conversation, but like, why is David Lee Roth buying his own park weed? You know, like I mean, that is like the question. He's a that. man of the people. <laughs> That's fair. He's just. I respect that. through the city. Now, the thing is, he's also, did you know that fun fact about Mr. David Lee Roth? He's a kayaker, an outdoorsman. And he mm-hmm. knows some people in Manhattan who own a kayak store. And okay. he convinced them to cut a hole in the fence and get the kayaks down to the Hudson River and go kayaking. And the police would yell at them to come back. And they're like, you can't catch us. There's Wow. I'm so confused by this. The people in the kayak store did this? They yeah. cut a fence in their own They, they got a cut a hole in the fence? fence to the river. And so that David Lee Roth could have could quick access to the And so they would, he, the, he yeah. and the kayak store employees would take the kayaks mm. into the Hudson River and get busted. That was a good time. But they couldn't yeah. pull them back up. I'm so, guessing this business is no longer in business. They are. They wow. still are. So yeah. here he is. Okay. He's, he will kayak the rivers of New York. He will walk mm-hmm. through the park and buy the weed. He will... <laughs> Eat a hot dog. He is a man of urban adventure. He is. And then he looks over and he sees Noel in the fountain and he's like, inspired. Live your life. (laughs) You know, dance in the fountain like nobody's watching. Mr. Mr. David Lee Roth. Mr. David Lee Roth. Uh I really feel seen. Yeah. He probably like throws some money and like buys all the ice cream and he's like, keep it up with those pigeons. You know what I mean? (laughs) High fives, everybody. Wow. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. 
That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. And so he gets arrested. And Officer Thomas Kilroy is arresting officer. Or like he, kill Joy, am I right? Air five, no. <laughs> so he he owns Van Halen Records, this cop. Mm-hmm. He likes to get loose. And he's, he sees David Lee Roth. He's wearing these sunglasses and he's arresting me. He's like, this guy looks so familiar. So he's like, um, last name? He says, Roth. <laughs> and then the cop's like, as in David Lee? Yeah, (laughs) what a conundrum do i arrest this guy do i just let this free bird fly off now which makes the better story (laughs) that i arrested david lee roth or that i let him go (laughs) yeah i know i i think we all know the answer to that let that man go so he gets booked released he gets a summons it's like the equivalent of a traffic ticket in order to appear less than a misdemeanor Mm. you know does, I think oh, he paid a fine off you. Because again, it's like a it's a big bust. It's not like uh, yeah. a, it's not like a a sting operation entirely to catch Mr. David Lee Roth. He's <laughs> yeah, just he's just caught up, up in the net. Caught up in the net. Caught in the net, poor fella. So, but the thing is, like he later he goes on to serve the people of New York. Did you know that David Lee Roth became an EMT in New York for a while? Get out, really? This guy. Right? This guy. He, in the late 90s, he trained um, as an EMT in New York. He went on over 200 ambulance rides. Can you imagine that you're like, you've been knocked cold, <laughs> you come to, and David Lee Roth is giving you mouth to mouth. Or you're still he, on like, you overdose or you have some <laughs> sort of terrible situation and you've just been listening to Van Halen or, and then you wake up in the ambulance. It's like you're standing in front of your brownstone in your spandex pants listening to him. You give a high kick and your foot gets stuck on the fence <laughs> impaling through your ankle and you're screaming and the ambulance comes up yeah. and there's Diamond Dave. And he's like, I've been there. He's like, what happens to the best of us now? Bite, bite this belt, honey. I'm going to lift your leg up. He yeah, because he wouldn't. He, yeah, he, he can literally jumpstart your heart. With the power <laughs> da, 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 da. Oh, God. I mean, and he wouldn't. You know, he he wouldn't like judge you for it. He he would be like, I've got this. No I, judgment, I, yeah. Mr. Yeah. David Lee Roth issues no judgment in this yeah. life. I like have some, I like have that some antibiotics. It, it got me to where I am today. Well, yeah, and yeah, he's always rolling with like he opens up his coat. And he's got like bottles of antibiotics. He's got the ten dollar bag of weed. Like, is there any antibiotic you're allergic to? He's got <laughs> Let me know. Aquanet. He's he, he's ready. He's you know he's like how some women in their purse have everything. I like to imagine that 
David Lee Roth opens his coat and he's just got everything you're going to possibly need. Copious like rolls of condom just like, you know, fall down. Do you need a poncho? Do you need a, an oar for a kayak? Because God knows I do. Yeah, you know kayak I mean? oar. I'm like, can I actually, can I get a crocheted poncho? And he's like, don't even worry about it. Pulls it out of his pants. Like, oh, it's nice and warm. A lot Thank of people you. have cocaine spoons, but I have a cocaine fork. And he's got pudding spoons. Everything. He's amazing. But you know, like the... This wasn't his first run-in with the fuzz. No. I'm shocked. Can, we, can you please take a picture of my face so I can see what That's I look what like when I'm surprised? <laughs> like. like the O face emoji. <laughs> but here's the, he, for all of our, our images of, of Mr. David Lee Roth in our head, mm-hmm. that he's this wild rock star, mm-hmm. he's really not. He lives his wild life, but he's not the debauched style who's always getting in trouble. His prior is 1980 in Cincinnati. Okay. And he, the David, uh, Van Halen, he's in Van Halen at the time. They're on tour. He was playing with the band in Cincinnati on the Invasion Tour. And they, um, sometimes they called it, I forget, something else. But anyway, he's, they're playing Riverfront Stadium. Five months prior, the Who had played that same stadium. And mm-hmm. there was a stampede and 11 people were killed. So they had this whole oh, yeah. overhaul of the system at the stadium at Riverfront. So you, there's no more general admission, no open flames, <laughs> which, okay. And, I mean, um, no more bringing a gorilla with you. Yeah. The list of- Those of, very sp- specific bands. Yeah. I love yeah. those. Like, so, this. For you. <laughs> right. so they, they, there are all these things you can't do at Riverfront Stadium anymore. Mm. And- when you tell David Lee Roth you can't do something, that's a challenge issue. It's a guarantee. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing. He had no clue that what he was going to do wasn't something he could do. So they're playing their hit, Light Up the Sky, which nice. I have no idea what that, that song sounds like. Yeah, I don't either. Anyway. I don't really know any Van Halen deep cuts. No. So, you know, the biggies. Although, to put, to just to like time out for one of my multiple non sequiturs, mm. um, there's a really great, song title that David Lee Roth has called Ladies Night in Buffalo. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, anything he ever does, he should just be totally absolved of any sins because he wrote a song called Ladies Night in Buffalo. I love your, I I, I love the the careful, the, the careful framing of that. He wrote this amazing song title it's kind of like <laughs> pursuit of happiness you know what i mean it's like yeah go for it exactly and you see that and you say that's a risk not only to write it but to maybe listen to it <laughs> so i'm go. just gonna watch it from afar for right now appreciate it from here that's good it's one of those things like do i want to open that present and then i don't have it anymore yeah. so that sweet expectation oh, yeah. that's there so <laughs> anyway they have this song light up the sky light mm-hmm. up the yeah light up the sky and right up this guy. <laughs> this, this cat over here. So they, there's a drum solo, of course. Naturally. And then on the studio version of it, after the drum solo, Diamond Dave yells, light him up. Okay, that's what happens in the normal song. In this uh, situation in the live show, he yells out a couple times, light him up, light him up. <laughs> he's, he's really good at scatting. So... He yells that, and then the crowd apparently thinks that means light him up, spark a dube. 
I didn't know where you were going with that. Lighters, guns. That's what I'm thinking. Open flames. That's my point, though. That How would anyone think that that says light them up? So they're all like smoking a cigarette and being like, all right, just give me about five minutes. Like, (laughs) Is this plane crashing? Where are we going, Dave? But apparently everyone starts lighting up cigarettes and... Jazz cigarettes. Jazz cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Cigarettes of every variety. The funny kind and maybe the unfunny some, kind. Maybe some cigars, <laughs> maybe some clove cigarettes, and then everyone around them is super irritated with them. Well, so, I don't want to hear your poetry. We're at a concert. Hear <laughs> <laughs> your Van Halen poetry. So the crowd is now starting to to smoke things, and the people running the stadium are just beside themselves because they're afraid that somehow people smoking things is going to lead to another riot. Hmm. They're gun shy, I suppose. Yeah, I imagine. Mm. So they start like making, they shut everything down, get everyone to leave. They arrest a hundred, you know, they throw a hundred people out for smoking. hundred people. And then 177 people were arrested for drug or alcohol charges. Wow. So they, they arrested more people uh, than they, than yeah. they kicked out. So they're like, you, you hundred, get out of here. The rest of you, you're coming with us. Oh, so, damn. I should have right? been in the cheap seats. I should have just been smoking <laughs> a cigarette minding my business. The thing is, though, is that the cops then blame the band. Now, that's not, those aren't large numbers for a stadium show. Mm-hmm. I think they're doing pretty well in terms of busts yeah. for a Van Halen show. 1980? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wild times. Anyway, David Lee Roth is charged with encouraging violation of a fire code. And has to post five thousand dollars bond. That's the squarest charge. That <laughs> totally. Ever, that's uh, what I'm saying. With. Is yeah. that you imagine? Like, well, what did he get charged with? Well, you know, he was his other bust. Like, I tore the label off a mattress. <laughs> right. Right. He pushes the limits. Yeah. I mean, just so he's like got. The, so far, we have ten dollar bag of weed. Uh-huh. I told people to break a fire code. <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> I jumped into a river on a canoe. And I went swimming kayak. within 30 minutes of eating. So this guy is like a criminal of wholesome adventures. Completely, completely. Right. He winds up getting the charges are dismissed because the judge said there was a lack of clarity in how the law was broken. Okay, yeah, because you could say for like uh, encouraging violation of a fire code, that could be as simple as somebody walking by in a public space and being like, you know what? People should stand here. Yeah. You know, just like, <laughs> hey, you guys go stand like, in front of that door and you can get about 300 more people in this room. <laughs> There's someone's like, who is this arch villain making things relatively line. inconvenient across <laughs> southwestern Cincinnati or whatever? But don't you think Cincinnati has bigger fish to fry than this? But again, gun shy, yeah, I think. Seems after like a the pretty dull town. Uh, I don't know. Okay. No, no, no shade, Danny. Cincinnatians out there. It just doesn't strike me as the most like, I don't hear about a lot of craziness going down in Cincinnati. I, I just, I, I'm just pointing out, like, I, I agree with this so much. So the agree with the judge, at least mm-hmm. uh, it would, it would also have been amazing if the judge, you know, like someone from the kayak store whispers in the judge's ear and they, and they're like, case dismissed. I got places <laughs> to be. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's the ending. We could just, we could put that in, in our, you know, cinematic version. Well, that's what I always call my invented details. Yes. When I tell these stories. So this is sort of an invented details. Yeah. The kayak guy is the bailiff and he leans (laughs) in. He's like, listen, you can't, you cannot bust this guy. He's so good for business. I'll cut you in on it. The other thing too, with uh, David Lee Roth and, and dope 
is that um, he had a drug mule that he used in order to get his weed into and out of the Bahamas. Because, oh. you know, when you're in the 80s and you're a rock star, you spend a good amount of time in the Bahamas. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was the whole thing. Didn't like uh, Keith Richards and Mick Jagger crash a plane in Jamaica? Yeah. Keith has a place in Jamaica. Yeah. I say it, Keith, like he, we're pals. Like, yeah. Keith has, has, I was just sending him some roses because I was thinking about maybe going down there and summering there. I just wanted to let him know I was debating it. Keith was like, of course, mate. <laughs> but I'm that's still just, alive, yeah. That's classic Keith. And I'm like, I keep telling you, man, we can't bring that much ketamine to you on the plane. Like, <laughs> I know that's normal for you guys, but. We'd have to buy a seat for that much ketamine. <laughs> well, so he had, but he had a mule and it wasn't Richard Nixon. What? Okay, I was I was actually I just very quickly was searching for vice presidents during the eighties because I was thinking <laughs> it was of that. Walter Mondo. Was it an actual mule? It was <laughs> <laughs> that, that would like be so on brand. I would. I'd be like, yes, that makes total sense. No, this is amazing. His drug mule was Tawny Katane. Wow. Now, for I those unfamiliar, Connie Katane <laughs> yeah. was at one point married to David Coverdale, yep. lead Snake. singer of White Snake. She made her fame by writhing around on the hood of a Jaguar yep. in a video. Mm-hmm. So, um, Best writhing of the 80s, I believe she won. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Car and Driver. Yeah. Um, she, <laughs> I guess, was not, this is before she married David Coverdale. She was dating the manager of Van Halen. And when they would all go down to the Bahamas, David Lee Roth would pull her aside and shove his drugs in her bag and say, head on through. I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that. No. (laughs) Glad it didn't go there. I don't work blue, fellas. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Yeah, so Tawny Katane, and apparently like she would have to drive him around while they picked up, he and some other gentlemen would pick up sex workers. mm -hmm. She'd be like the driver. (laughs) I don't know if she had to go over there and negotiate with well, she them. Was she also, but... as the driver, like picking them? Like, oh, those look good. I'll be over here. Uh, one she sec. was a reluctant participant. Oh, apparently. okay. But, you know, so, I get it. So, but Mr. Dudley how... Roth was more of a weed and women kind of guy. And less yeah, well, of a, ladies' of a night in Buffalo. Cocaine guy, right? I mean, yeah. Oh, no, he was, he was a natural. cocaine guy. Well, he, he was liked a cocaine guy. Okay. Just so make he it did sure. drugs and then he did drugs, drugs. Okay. Like cocaine. And sometimes drugs did him. Yeah. Fair enough. Symbiotic relationship. Maybe he was just naturally that high energy. No weed to mellow out after work, you know. Yeah. And then what would happen if he wasn't? No, he was he was a he was a bottle rocket, that fella. (laughs) Now he he did a lot of coke. And they also did a lot of pills in the 80s. And that was one of the things that broke Van Halen up is that they couldn't afford Well, at least his departure, not breaking it up. They no, he he said that he didn't like their drug use, which it's like mm, Wait, David Lee Roth is like, I don't like okay. their drug use. They're very boring about it. I they will not keep up, nor will they come to me with new drugs. Well, perhaps he was trying to like go straight, or he was saying, like, yeah, they just these guys can't keep up. Come on. Yeah, like I have to find all the drugs. I'm down in South America doing research. What do they come back to me with? Oh, I got some Advil. Thanks. Thanks. Nice work, Alex. Oh, Alex. So he, uh, yeah, that's when he cites that. But then everyone else is like, I think it was a personality clash. It's like, no, no, it's drug use. <laughs> it was a personality clash. Yeah, I don't well, think he's as much weird. of you got a user band named after a guitarist, and then you've got the front man who's soaking up all the spotlight. Oh, I yeah. bet you there were there were some behind the scenes clashes. Oh, oh egos, definitely. egos, and rock music. Mm-hmm. No, that's a prime, <laughs> that's a prime example. And I will say though that. Um, when he went solo and then he got a guitar player for that first, you know, mm-hmm. the first EP and the first record, he got Steve Vai 
Hmm. And, you know, guitar virtuoso. Yeah, but it's when you listen to it, and I'm saying this, not like this is something I do on the daily, although I wouldn't be ashamed if I listened to David Lee Roth every day to wake up. But in, in listening to it recently, it's like Steve Vai is doing his very best Eddie Van Halen impression. Oh, Here's okay. the thing. Steve Vai is obviously a fine, talented musician, but <laughs> what makes... Eddie Van Halen, an interesting guitarist, is just how like unhinged and wild his playing is. Steve Vai is much more like contained. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, it's yeah. a little clinical. And I and think Eddie, that's, Eddie yeah. was uh, that's a really good point. Inventive. Yeah. And he had feel on it. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Steve Vai is like every dude sitting in Guitar Center noodling around on like a Stratocaster that they really want mm-hmm. is super into Steve Vai. <laughs> And like Ingve Malmsteen. <laughs> Where does this oh, just yeah. Johnson sideways for a second? Uh, Rodney James Dio versus Dusty Rhodes. Is there an analog here? I thought you were oh. going to throw Steve Stevens in this. <laughs> we are just naming every frizzy haired 80s <laughs> guitar rival pseudo metal. Yeah. yeah, I like Dio because he's a funny looking guy and he makes it work for him. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah. And yes. he gave us all the, the evil eye, the Maloka. That's yeah. him. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So David Lee, Mr. Roth. He, uh, you know, he's lived a wild life. Now he apparently has like a company that does aftercare for tattoos. Oh, like, 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 like creams and rubs and tinctures you put on and for your tattoo to correctly? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Or no, just like, you know, keep it moisturized. So uh, his first tattoo, the first tattoo he ever got was a, he got a seahorse on his ankle. That's I thought he got a banjo on his knee. Well, that too. That <laughs> That was like in the early days of Van Halen. He gets a seahorse on his ankle. <laughs> so and then he waited. He didn't get another one until he was 60. Mm-hmm. And then he got what he calls what's commonly known as the Japanese tuxedo. He's like fully, fully inked. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. wow. Like a well, he thought style, about it. Like full yeah. Back yeah. Wow. Hmm. yeah. So he got, he got the seahorse and he thought about it. He gave it some time. Well, that's you what know. he says. He's like, I spent all this time you know, 40 Sorry. years or whatever coming up with all the designs that I wanted. And oh. and he just got it all at once. Well, I respect that's that. That's an impressive yeah. amount of that's a forethought. long time, too. That's, I mean, not in the chair, getting tattooed. That's a long... <clears throat> also sounds like it's his, it's his new drug. All the amount of endorphins. Yeah. Just so. Agreed. And to be fair, and to his credit, I mean, isn't he a big sober living proponent now? Like, he totally went clean and is like... I thought that was the case. I think so, but I think he likes... I feel like... Why am I envisioning him drinking wine? White wine in a joint now? And like just wearing like you know a mumu a kimono. Maybe that's right. Maybe he is one of those. Uh, those I get yeah. He's Hollywood. what do they call it? California sober. Yeah, California hey, sober. Yeah, yeah Ca- California that. sober. <laughs> so I think that like you know the other thing too is that did you know that he was the one who was supposed to replace Howard Stern when Stern went to Sirius XM? Mr. David Lee Roth. Yeah, they gave him a radio show and it only lasted two months. I thought you were going to say when Howard Stern got divorced. Swapper, just like <laughs> <laughs> they gave him the they gave him the time slot, and he wouldn't play the music that they wanted him to play. He put on like world music and alternative rock acts. He had Peter Gabriel come on. It's get more hot wrecks. <laughs> he, he was like, "It's your day. It's Women's Day. Thanks, Peter." Um, so he no, he had uh, he had randoms on there. He had Johnny Damon on. 
Wow. The baseball player. Yeah. Because he's like, if someone I think is interesting, I'm going to bring him onto my show. And we're going to listen to world music. He Johnny, brought, what do you think? He brought his uh, his uncle, Manny Roth, on. <laughs> so he started a podcast. Basically. <laughs> exactly. 100%. <laughs> Manny Roth, though, is really interesting because like his uncle, he uh, was the owner of Cafe Wa in Greenwich Village. Mm. So that was like from like late 50s through the 60s. That's where Dylan, Hendrix, yeah. Springsteen. Totally. Velvet Underground. Cool and the gang played there, by the mm. way. P.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he went on to open a diner in Woodstock. But yeah, Manny, he was on the show. A, the um, network gave Mr. David Lee Roth some negative feedback about his show. And he turned around and complained about it on air. <laughs> very David Lee Roth. Very. And then all of a sudden they came in and told him right before he was going on the air, this is your last show. Yeah. Remember your last show? It was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was it. That was it. So yeah, those are the wild tales of Mr. David Lee Roth. I love it. They're less mm-hmm. wild than I would have expected. I mean, I, you know, I think they, they, this is like sort of latter day David Lee Roth a little bit. Maybe he yeah. followed out a little bit from his. Uh, and it's a. Days. I like the different shades of wild. So it's not mm-hmm. self destructive wild. It's entertaining and. Yeah, it's cut a hole in this fence wild. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, legend goes, I hear that if you uh, if you happen by the right area of New York. When the weather is just so, you might even see the. No, okay, we know where that bit is going. But that's <laughs> on a, that's amazing. On a cold winter's night. I gotta say, it takes some uh, some you know stones to be willing Dakota's, to kayak uh, in the Hudson River. Man, I'd be afraid like it'd catch on fire or something. You know, I mean, it's not exactly. You come out with all all manner of skin disorders. Oh know. yeah, you come out different. Yeah, that's I'm why kidding. he had to get fully tattooed. Invented <laughs> detail. The tattoos are cover ups for the stains and the the skin d- like disfiguration. Yeah. So yeah, right. that's it. There's my it. David Lee Roth story for you. I feel like I've grown. Zarin, what yeah. was your ridiculous takeaway with this one? Um, if you're going to bust David Lee Roth in a park, don't, because that makes for a better story down the line. So you can be the cop who's like, hey, I totally didn't do my job. And everyone's like, yeah, man. That's my take. <laughs> Noel, do you have a ridiculous takeaway? Uh, cops love Van Halen. There you go. Bingo. Ben. A ridiculous uh, takeaway. A ridiculous takeaway. Uh, yes, I, I think you can uh, convince people to mutiny against institutions and empires, uh, starting with the kayak shops, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know what? Damned be your fire coats. Damned be your fence off the Hudson. I like it. I'm just imposing some of our... Uh, Features on ridiculous crime upon you. Not you like to wrap it up totally. with uh, what's yeah. your ridiculous takeaway? Yeah. Uh, that's wonderful. I love it. Uh, and and this is this is a story that you know, partway through, Elizabeth. Just to confirm, mm-hmm. I started I started looking. I I just checked. It's like David Lee Roth. Make sure he's alive. You know, and I became more protective of him as oh, as the story continued which is uh which i think i think uh if this is proselytization i am one of the converted now so i, I am right nice. there with you it. yeah we have a lot yeah. of love for david lee roth around the ridiculous crime the and more- we're glad that we can spread that in the ridiculous universe and everyone can eventually know that david lee roth we are lucky to have him yeah yeah he's a good dude 
tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And this, I think, brings us to our final tale, uh, which involves, Noel, I don't know too much about this next story. I knew it was, it was a better idea than, than my initial idea because we were, we were talking off air and I, and I was asking Noel, it's like, Hey, what are you going to, what do you think we should do, you know, on, on the show in a few days? And my idea was we should talk about that time Prince took a megaphone off the airplane because that was cool and impressive. Uh, <laughs> but, but Noel, you found something, I think there's a much deeper story and it, it's one that I, I'm not sure a lot of people know about. I, well, I don't know if it's super deep. I don't know if it even quite counts as a bust, but here, I was going to do the mysterious death of Natalie Wood until I realized it was just mega depressing. And that's not ridiculous at all. That's just sad. Christopher Walken was involved. Richard Wagner was implicated. But then I'm like, where's the ridiculous angle? Where, what's, where's the opportunity for ridiculous takeaways here? It's just a real bummer of a story. So I decided to go in a different direction. And I had a burst of inspiration when I remembered a clip uh, that I 
used to really love and always made the rounds. It was a fun thing to listen to, um, mm-hmm. to get some laughs. And it's John Wayne delivering a speech, and he's very clearly quite drunk. Let's listen to a little bit of it now, and just so we can reflect on it. And then we're going to go into uh, some potential origin, a potential origin story for this speech. I want to add anything that I can add to what he said about the fact that you guys are just... (laughs) There is no way to be a leader in uh, Americana except you guys. You got to control it. We haven't... We haven't any chance. You, uh... Naturally, things happen, like uh, at the uh, Columbia University and at the other mother colleges. <laughs> no, it really, it's... Uh, when I went to school, I went to school at the University of Southern California. <laughs> Let me explain something to you. When I went there, I went there when there was a fella in control of the college. I mean, I mean, he was the, the boss man there. If anybody had walked into his uh, office and torn down a picture and did excrement in his... Uh, 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 no, in his uh, waste paper basket or had written lewd words on his, uh, the pictures of his family, we, as members of the college, would have kicked the goddamn hell out of this organization. I can't understand how, how it can happen in the United States of America that this can happen. What is this? Like, is this a commencement speech? He's talking about colleges. He's comparing, like, you know, mm-hmm. other Ivy League universities. He's addressing the Boy Scouts. Yeah. Some pe- from, for some reason, people are doing excrements into waste paper baskets. <laughs> what, are, what are known as waste baskets? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Writing lewd words on pictures of his family. Uh, he, he's the protector of Americana, clearly. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, he, he he really talks like that, you guys. Um, and, you know, I'm pretty sure he's drunk. So let's say I the think bust. he was drinking turpentine. I think so, man. I mean, there's something going on. So I think the bust here is like busted. You got recorded sounding like a loopy, drunky John Wayne. And that's fun for us. Um, but I looked into this because it, it, it exists on the Internet uh, as John Wayne drunk speech dot WMV. You can find it on uh YouTube, if you want, and it's the only version of this that, that I can find. Um, it only has about 52,000 views, so it uh, doesn't seem to be super, super, like, zeitgeisty, or people are, like, thinking about this a lot. But I remembered it, and I was like, where was that from? There's a whole Reddit thread devoted to this question. And the most plausible, there, there's a few possibilities one was a, an appearance he made in June of 1970 at the Department of the Navy uh, UCLA ROTC dress parade, um, where he was asked to speak at the commencement and then join the NROTC uh, in something called the Pistol Award 
medal. Um, I guess that's uh, an award given for marksmanship, you know, in the ROTC or whatever. Oh, the PAM. Yeah, of course. We all know and love it. Um, but the most plausible source because of the <laughs> clearly quite lighthearted nature of his delivery and the potential party atmosphere uh, that may have led to it was an appearance that he made in 1974 at Harvard. Um, you guys are probably familiar with Harvard's National Lampoon, which was their, you know, comedy literary magazine. A lot, I think Conan O'Brien used to write mm -hmm. for it. A lot of SNL people came from it. It's like a big deal. It generates a lot of big comedic talents. And I can only assume that the National Lampoon films were based on stuff from like the National Lampoon magazine. 100% on like how those organizations are like exactly one-to-one -one related, but, but nothing else would really make too much sense. So the New York Times actually wrote an article about this appearance. Um, it was written by John Kiffner on January 16th of 1974. And the headline is, John Wayne plays a new role, the invader of Harvard Square. Um, so apparently the National Lampoon had called uh, John Wayne out as being like a big old phony because he plays all these tough guys in the movies, you know, and all these military men and, and all of that. And, uh, you know, Sands of Iwo Jima and a lot of war pictures, you know, stuff like that. Obviously, he's a big cowboy type dude. Um, he got a lot of backlash, too, for his kind of glorification of like the Wild West. And uh, obviously, there's a lot of problematic treatment of indigenous people and all that stuff super glossed over in his movies. And he kind of makes it all seem like just a whole lot of big mannish fun, you know, um, and, you know, he's known as the Duke. Uh, I always forget, is he the Duke or the boss? And the boss is Springsteen. The Duke is, is, uh, is this guy. Is you also John know that the Duke is the name of his dog. He got his dog's that. nickname. Yeah, The local firefighters, they had this dog and they, <laughs> and they loved him. So they called the dog Duke. And then he ends up taking on his dog's nickname. Like how many people other than Indiana oh, Jones have their yeah, dog's <laughs> nickname? I was gonna say I could see I, I could see they must have known about that when when writing yeah. uh, Indiana Jones we named the dog <laughs> right That's like good. you're named after the dog <laughs> yeah, totally so you know the eggheads at uh, at, at the Lampoon um, dubbed uh, John Wayne as the biggest fraud in history um, for that very reason you know for a lot of the problematic portrayals that he did in films mm -hmm. and the fact that he actually got uh, uh, deferred or I guess whatever, you know, when you get a pass for, for being drafted. Because yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. John Ford used to give him a hard time about that. Uh, a lot of people did, I think, uh, especially again, because he's playing this like, you know, larger yeah. than life, uh, tough guy, military guy. Uh, but he was apparently under the, he was the sole caregiver for, I think, four children. Um, so it's, yeah, I guess it's a legitimate reason, but probably not the best look, especially when you're this guy. But he doubles down. So he uh, accepts this invitation to debate the, I guess, staff of the National Lampoon at some kind of event. It's all kind of in good roasty type fun, right? So they send him this invitation and he agrees. So you kind of got to give the guy credit for having a bit of a sense of humor and not being too self-serious because he, he shows up as part of a military kind of cavalcade, like a uh, he he rolls into Harvard Square uh, with a military escort um, riding on top of like a gunner, you know, like vehicle. I think it's a tank, but it, it looks like a, a machine gun 
nest that he's in. Like, so is I'm that quite stolen sure. valor? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty bizarre. It's it's a pretty weird flex. Um, so he's surrounded by uh, policemen and all of these soldiers, and they rush him into the theater. Um, you know, just kind of bowling over all of the the onlookers and, and people that are you know, asking for his autograph. He does give out a few autographs, um, but he gets inside and he gives this address. Uh, potentially, that, that is the theory. We don't have exact confirmation this is where it comes from, but given the nature of the event and, you know, the timing, this Redditor seems to believe that this is, this is accurate. And I think that it seems to be pretty close to me. Um, so the, they're actually presenting him with an award. Um, and the, it's funny because he actually says uh, that he, he makes a joke about how he, he decided to come um, and he turned down uh, another um, opportunity to appear at a Jane Fonda convention. So um, I think he's sort of taking the piss a little bit, but also again, being nice and self-deprecating. So the Lampoon actually presented him with an award for having the nerve to show up, uh, which essentially is like, it's not called this, but let's just call it what it is, like a brass balls award. So uh, you're it, saying yeah. that a tough guy got a participation award? He sure did. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sure that was maybe lost on him, but yeah, they presented him with this uh, trophy that's made up of two spheres made of pure brass. So brass balls award. Oh, they really, um, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and he... He actually he made another pretty funny joke with a literary reference in it. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to, you know, um, besmirch the guy's intellect, uh, but I was surprised that he made this reference. He said his invitation came in a plain brown envelope, and he said it was quote like being invited to lunch with the Borgias. Um, if anyone's seen that show, The Borgias, you'll know that they had a reputation, this ruling family, for just like murdering people all the mm-hmm. time and inviting them to dinner and just like killing the hell out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I brought my best poison ring to this dinner. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I made my son Pope. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So let's see. What are some other good? They, they, there's a back and forth. There's a debate kind of. It's all, again, it's all very clearly in good fun. Uh, I don't think he would have showed up otherwise. But here's a little bit from the article, uh, some of the questions that he was asked. Someone asked him, how does his horse feel about mm-hmm. sex in the cinema? Um, don't have his direct response to that one. Uh, what was the last book or comic book you read? And they asked him to do an Ed Sullivan impersonation. Another one that was good is, are you ever going to marry Kitty in your show? I don't know that reference because I don't know John Wayne's work super well. And my favorite, how do you feel about students smoking LSD? <laughs> <laughs> I've actually heard the answer to the first question about no. what did his horse think about sex in the cinema? Okay, this, give it to me. His horse actually preferred sex in parks. He was that he was not into. Yeah. He did not like it indoors. He was Dude, he was he was zinging on this, right? <laughs> because there was the other question. You know, these are all very send up questions, right? Like, uh, <laughs> uh, is it true that your toupee is made of pony hair? No, mm-hmm. it's real hair. It's not mine, but it's real. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's. It's clearly, as you said, though. I think in in good fun, not all of the jokes aged well. Uh, but there yeah. is well, he's yeah. asked about what, what his views on, yeah. you know, what was once referred to as women's lib, <laughs> which I think is that hasn't aged well, even in, even in and of itself. But he was asked about his views on that. And he said, I think let's see if I can do it. Well, I think they have a right to work anywhere they want to, <laughs> as long as they have dinner ready when we want it. Hey, 
<laughs> you just I, hear the crickets. It, it, that, that is verbatim because he was reading the room, John Wayne was. I yeah. thought that was a good John Wayne voice. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, when yeah. he finished and he was looking at the people in the room, he just went, hey. Just to circle it back around, you yeah. know, just to go full circle, he was also asked, has President Nixon ever given you any suggestions mm-hmm. for your movies? To which he responded, no, they've all been successful. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. the Nixon yeah. disc, that one landed. I think yeah, this might be clear landed. to most people listening but he was uh notoriously right-wing in his views and yeah. made no uh, bones about it and was very open about it and uh what? you know the harvard national mm-hmm. lampoon was notoriously left-wing uh with their views so it's interesting for these two worlds to kind of clash uh and not create much more than a delightful clip and uh, and some fun quotes. So that's really, I guess, kind of where it ends. I mean, he got a good response, as you even heard, if that clip that I played is, in fact, the one from this event, which it really seems to be. He got a pretty warm response. He got some laughs. Um, in the New York Times article, they talked about even despite those sharp political divisions, at the end of the day, it was all kind of settled, this is a quote, with good humor, and in the end, thunderous applause. Um, and then on this one, one article that I found, there's a, an embedded video. I haven't watched it yet, but the headline on it is fascinating. And I'm very intrigued. Apparently, Stalin once tried to have John Wayne killed for, like, I guess his embodiment of, like, American ingenuity. I don't know. but uh, I want Hitler to wanted to kill that. Clark Gable. He, mm-hmm. he gave a huge reward out if anybody could shoot down Clark Gable because he actually did go to war and he was <laughs> a bomber. He was flying over Europe and they're like, if you can kill Clark Gable, no, don't kill him. Bring him to me. If you can wow. bring me alive, Clark Gable, I will give you honors and trophies and a reward. Yeah. And people tried and they could not do it. They could not shoot down Clark Gable or get him. And he knew about this. So he was constantly doing these runs aware that there was a bounty on his head. And he's like, I'd like to see him catch me see he's that's a really nimble point. guy clark gable I, right yeah that's a really interesting point uh, i think that is exactly the kind of thing that probably led to john wayne being you know ribbed yeah. a little bit for his invasion uh, of service well he jimmy stewart also up. a bomber pilot there were a lot of his contemporaries who said i'm a father i'm a you know, i'm a husband i'm a star and i'm gonna go to war because it matters and they went to theaters where they were actually mm-hmm. could be killed they were doing yes. combat you know and like jimmy stewart yeah. flew i think like 20 or something yeah. bombing runs and you know, then you come back uh, to Hollywood I'll, and everyone's I'll, like, wow, and J- mm-hmm. Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart was not I'll known as, as a hell tough guy. of a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. I love the Jimmy Stewart impression. I think everyone is basically just doing Dana Carvey's Jimmy Stewart impression, <laughs> um, which is just like, oh, it's all shake. It's all that shake in the voice. He doesn't even really sound like that. It's no, wait, Jimmy Stewart, I was doing Catherine Hepburn. Wait, what? See? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Those are kind of interchangeable in my mind. Well, you're not going to fool me into a Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> That's a good Catherine Hepburn, though. That was pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Thank um, you. So there, there it is. Uh, full circle with Nixon. Yeah, I, like, I, I like that. I was also going to say full circle in that you said, no, there's an embedded video here. And I, I, I haven't watched it, but the headline grabbed me. It reminded me of what Elizabeth was saying about ladies night in Buffalo. You know, <laughs> everybody's like, let's love it from a distance. Also, I wanted to point out, <laughs> I don't know if this is accurate, but ladies night in Buffalo, the title. Mm-hmm. Is is an interrogative, like like they're asking, "Ladies' Night in Buffalo, 
question mark, at least from the headline I'm seeing. Oh, uh, interesting. That puts a whole different spin on it for me. Again, I'm going to. Like you've just miss- rolled into Buffalo. You're like, possibly <laughs> ladies night in Buffalo? People? Anyone? Hello? Ladies? Yeah. I and, see it more as just he's painting. The title alone paints a very vivid picture for me. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then I do have to say, all right, I'll confess to you guys. I listened to the song today. Well, why yeah. is he in on this ladies night in Buffalo? That's what I wanted. That's what he's asking. He is just bearing witness to it. Okay. It's a <laughs> celebration is, of women alone is, in the world together. You know, like a, something that most men would never see, like a ladies group in Buffalo. He, he is uh. but a chronicler. Of the life and times of ladies in Buffalo. It's ladies night in Buffalo. Back up. <laughs> and David Lee <laughs> Roth, he's secure enough in his masculinity to let them have the night in Buffalo. Because mm-hmm. he knows if he waits it out, they're going to involve him. Yes. <laughs> yes, he's playing the long game. Ladies night in Buffalo, nine times out of ten, ends with David Lee David Roth. David Lee Roth morning. <laughs> in Buffalo. <laughs> oh, it's that's another the, David Lee Roth yeah. morning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the concept album. That he is surely going to have coming out as a uh, as a follow up to this boggles the mind. Maybe there will even be some John Wayne samples on there. If so, they'll hopefully be from uh, that hard hitting interview with the Harvard Lampoon. Oh, by the <laughs> way, I also learned uh, from that New York Times article that uh, members of the National Lampoon in Harvard uh, are referred to as poonies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But oh, uh, they, that's self-identifying. They yeah. put that name on. They themselves. brought that that's upon right. themselves. They yeah, did. They, they they're did. excited about that. I think. Right. Mm. They're they're proud of it. So yeah. it's it's not us bad mouthing. No, <laughs> not at all. But yeah, they I put that say, out there. They want us to think mm-hmm. of them as poonies. They do. They do. I wonder if that's still a thing to this day. It seems like the kind of thing that would like stick around. Probably. Um, yeah, I gotta say, I, I, I'm a little sad uh, to be leaving this intentional two-part episode, but boy, have we had adventures. We have touched on a lot of different historical celebrity, you know, uh, busts slash scandals slash drunken public misses. Um, mm-hmm. And I really can't thank you guys enough for joining us. Uh, thank you for having us. We pleasure. had a blast. This was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, Zarin, Elizabeth, where can people learn more about Ridiculous Crime? Where can they check out the episodes uh, which are available now? Well, you can obviously go to the, your podcast uh, listening app of your preference, or obviously Google we have it. social medias. You can catch us on Instagram and on Twitter mm-hmm. where we are always at Ridiculous Crime. That's right. And Instagram uh, will provide us a way to supplement our stories with visual elements. That's true. Can't wait for everybody to check out the episodes that are out now. I've listened. Uh, I'm a fan as well. This is, by the way, also the first episode we've ever done with two super producers. So thank you so much to Super Dave. Thank you to Mr. Max Williams. Uh, Noel, what, what a ride. I was hypnotized. I was delighted. Best of times. Were you hypnotized and mesmerized by what your eyes did see? Mm -hmm. Yeah, just so. And uh, and then I guess what we'll have to do is get back together uh, on another show, and maybe we'd like to have you guys on our show. Would you like to come do that? Absolutely. Yes. If you if you come on the show, you can hear my celebrity impressions, and they are spot on, just flawless. Uncanny. You want to do one? No, you got to listen. Okay, then you got to come on the show, and you'll hear one. 
Now that's how, how we do a tease. You know how to hook them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Telling you. There we go. All right. So uh, in the meantime, you can find our show where you found it because you've already found it. Uh, and you can find Ben and I as uh, individual human internet people. Um, I am exclusively on Instagram at how now Noel Brown. Ben, how about yourself? Well, thank you for asking, Noel. If you want to look behind the scenes at the various misadventures, research, and shenanigans I find myself involved in, all of the wholesome variety, you can find me on Twitter, at Bull and HSW, or on Instagram, where, in a burst of creativity, I've started calling myself at Ben Bullen. Gotta lock that handle down, dude. I can't. I'm so proud of you. There's a Ben Bullen 7 in addition to the, well, Ben Bullen 726 in addition to the Ben Bullen 3. We squash the beef. We're all good. Nice. We'll see you next time, folks. Bye. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways, rolling vineyards, and castled hills, into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.